Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. After a wild night in Washington, the Bucks uh, somehow survived 137-134. Chris Middleton had a monster night, 40 points. Bledsoe had 23. Giannis will obviously get to. He finished with uh, 22 points, but he fouled out in the fourth quarter, so he played no part in the overtime and before we get started frank i do have a statement to read out after watching tonight's game so here goes the officiating definitely went right for the washington wizards that was as unprofessional an officiating performance i've ever seen and i hope you tweet this out and tag the league <laughs> mo wagner is a flopper with that being said the bucks need to do a better job at the end of the fourth quarter however bad and, and biased and unfair and illegal and cheating the referees are they just have to be better closing the fourth quarter. Thank you, Chase Buford. Uh, <laughs> by the way, it's a shame that, you know, the average NBA fan, you know, who is, or at least people who like follow Twitter and stuff, um, now know who Chase Buford is. <laughs> right. Ma- mainly for that epic rant and not for the fact that he's, I mean, again, I'm not as, as big into G League, obviously, as, as some folks. I mean, I don't know what our uh, friend Ty Windish would, would say, but. I have to think he's got to be like the runway favorite for G League Coach of the Year, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. first year coaching the herd last year, I mean, you know, had some talented guys, including Christian Wood, and really were not that impressive when it came to winning and losing. And this year, um, I mean, they've lost <laughs> they've lost their best players, Ray John Tucker, most notably. You know, arguably the best player in the G League at the time. He leaves. They just keep cranking out wins. It's like been a weird parallel. Um, but uh, but yeah. Uh, Shout out to Chase Buford. <laughs> Get, getting love for an epic rant when he should also be getting some respect for the coaching job he's doing. And right. um, definitely, uh, you know, son of, son of R.C. Buford, hey, he's, he's earned that job. That he did not, uh, he's not a guy getting by on nepotism. So um, shout out to Chase. But, yeah, the Bucks and Wizards. Um, I have to say it was, I mean, Bucks were up, I think, 13 going into the fourth quarter. Um, you know, controlled this game for, for most of it, obviously. And as that game got tight going down the stretch, um, I felt like, uh, you know, you know how like rich people, they, they like stop ever having to do things like go to the grocery store. And so they, <laughs> they don't know what milk costs and they're just like out of touch in like weird ways. And I, I felt like the NBA basketball fan equivalent of that, where I was just like, wait a minute, what is this feeling? Like you, you have to play games that are competitive late. Like you yeah. don't just spend the last, you know, eight minutes just kind of counting stats and waiting to see when the, you know, garbage time guys come in and, and get to kind of run around and have Pat Connaughton playing point guard. I mean, that, that was a very weird experience. Bucks have only played coming into this night, three games decided by three or fewer points. They'd won two out of three. And now um, they win three out of four after a too close for comfort win over the wizards, which 
I guess, you know, it was fun, right? There was, <laughs> there was some anxiety, some anxiety I didn't need. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Chris Middleton, I mean, well, he, what, he only made two out of eight threes tonight, technically. So, I mean, we could say his three-point shot wasn't quite there. But uh, just another monster night against his favorite opponent, the Washington Wizards. And got a little nervous there in the in late fourth quarter and overtime where he missed, what was it, four or five shots in a row. But um, he just came up huge from the perimeter, came up huge from the free throw line, and ultimately outduels Brad Beal again. Beal with a better scoring night uh, tonight. Uh, as opposed to the last time when Chris was the one who had the 50 point night, but um, Middleton was great. Bledsoe, um, some of the decision making maybe wasn't always great, but he actually was, was really good, was really productive in the night, had a huge three in overtime to give the Bucks a lead. And that obviously helped paper over uh, a very weird, well, weird night from Giannis. I mean, he hits eight out of 12 shots from the field, six out of eight from the foul line, but six fouls and eight turnovers in 25 minutes so again he was kind of well he was not his usual self and obviously the fact that he was watching from the bench late in the fourth quarter in overtime was not where you would want to be silver lining he didn't have to play that many minutes the night before a game against the raptors whereas middleton plays 40 which his body must feel very strange since you know has that happened i don't think that's happened yet this year so um, so yeah, weird, weird game. Maybe I would say maybe the most uncharacteristic Bucks game of the season, right? Blowing a huge fourth quarter lead, um, almost losing to a sub 500, like a way sub 500 team. I mean, the Spurs were f- sub 500 when the Bucks lost in San Antonio, but you know, the Spurs still feel like a pretty good team, right? And that was a good performance by the Spurs. This Wizards team, there, there's no way you'd feel good about losing to them, especially given how well the Bucks shot from three for so much of the night. But um, yeah, this was definitely an escape, an escape game, and you just hope that the extra effort doesn't hurt them tomorrow night. Drop. Yeah, no Brooke Lopez tonight. He was out with back soreness, and it was one of those strange nights. We've seen this from time to time. I mean, the Bucks are so deep, and they they've won so many games by big margins that uh, maybe it's not as common as what you maybe think it is. But when you look at the box score and look at the plus minus, this was definitely a night where the starters uh, were all in the positive and really the, the bench was all uh, in the negative in terms of plus minus. And you know, certainly in the fourth quarter when the Wizards uh, made a run, I, I said this to you before we started recording, but it felt like in the overtime that the Bucks there was no way they were going to win this game. I mean, the combination of Giannis being fouled out, uh, Chris Milton going through a, a cold stretch where he missed four or five shots in a row, I think there. And all good looks for him, great looks for him. A couple from three, a couple from the mid-range that that just rimmed out. So at that point, it's like, well, without Giannis, where's the offense going to come from? And you you pointed to it. The, maybe the biggest shot of the night, Eric Bledsoe bails the Bucks out when they couldn't get anything. He hits a three, and then uh, Middleton's able to get to the free throw line. And then after that, uh, he was really rolling. He hit another big three and, an, and another jump shot as well and ends up scoring the last nine points in overtime to get his 40-point uh, game. So uh, just when Middleton was like flirting with the possibility of, of us actually having a conversation, well, he went cold uh, down the stretch. That's that's We haven't been used to seeing that. He quickly bounced back and, and ends up being the story of, of the night. But it was kind of interesting to me because this is something I've brought up a few times and I know... Uh, that it's it's maybe in the, in the back of some Bucks fans' minds in terms of the minutes we we talk about a guy like Chris Middleton who's only averaging 29 uh, minutes a game. 
I think because it was only one, it was a one-off effort. I, I don't think you read too much into it, but. Milton does play 11 minutes more than he is used to per game this season. And once he got to that sort of uh, mid-30s range right through till uh, you know, nearly the end of the game before he got hot, uh, that's when he started missing shots. And I, I do wonder, I mean, he's, he's a guy that shoots a pretty flat jump shot. I, I don't know whether fatigue played any part of this, but I think it will be interesting now to see how he backs up tomorrow night. You talk about the fact that Giannis only played 24. Uh, that's great that the Bucks are still able to get a win. But for Milton, it'll be interesting. I mean, he plays 40 minutes. Uh, really, there was no one else that was, that was well over their normal workload. Robin Lopez played 32, so I guess that's, a, that's an odd number for him. Uh, Bledsoe, 33. So most of the other minutes were kind of reasonable. But this was a night without Giannis playing for, for big stretches that Bud just had to say, listen, you're the guy. I need to ride you. If we're going to win this game, it's going to be uh, on your shoulders. And Milton delivered. And it was interesting to hear Bud. We, again, we talk about the playoffs and what's going to happen and is he going to be willing to play guys more minutes. Bud said something interesting in the post game that, again, I don't know how much you want to read into it, but uh, he was asked by, I think it was Eric that asked the question about Middleton being able to play 40 minutes and Bud straight away said, well, he said, yeah, you know me, I don't really like anyone playing 40 minutes in any game. Uh, and then he went on to give his answers. So maybe, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's not what you want to hear uh, ahead of the playoffs, but uh, just a big night for Chris. He deserves all the credit in the world. Yeah, I mean, you certainly, I mean, if ever there's a scenario where you don't want to have to play your second best player 40, it's, you know, the first night of a back-to-back sure. against, you know, coming up against a big game in Toronto where obviously you want to have guys ready to play. Now, look, <clears throat> even though this is a back-to-back, um, okay, you're going to be at a rest disadvantage. That said, um, you know, you kind of look at it. It was an early game, 7 Eastern in Washington. And, you you know, it's not like you're flying – across three time zones or something like that to, to get to Toronto. Um, and it wasn't early game tonight. So, you know, as far as back to backs go, this isn't, you know, some, some nightmare type situation. Um, but we'll see. I mean, obviously if they come out tomorrow and everybody's legs look shot and, you know, they're missing lots of threes, I don't think we can blame uh, the back to back so much if, you know, Giannis doesn't look great or obviously Brooke Lopez him getting a rest, which seemed probably pretty, pretty strategic to rest him today. Um, I would certainly expect him to be back tomorrow. Um, you know, obviously he, he won't have an excuse, but, uh, but yeah, obviously the other guys had to be extended for a bit. Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, they got their, uh, they got their cardio in, in the fourth quarter. Um, first a lot of Hill chasing um, uh, Bradley Beal, who was just going off and, you know, just seemed like every time he had even a millimeter of space, he was pumping in threes and jump shots and then Bledsoe in fourth quarter and uh, sorry in overtime interesting I mean I thought Bledsoe ended up doing a great job yeah. on on uh, on uh, Beal in overtime but on the first po- yeah but on the first possession he completely lost him and unfortunately yeah. Beal got an open corner three look that he missed but other than that I um, thought he did a really nice job and um, you know again it's just the luxury the Bucks have of being able to put two combo guards out there who are um, you know, just very savvy, smart, athletic, long for, for their size, long for the position. So they can kind of upsize, you know, from, from a guarding position, even though both guys, we would say, are, are point guards. And Beal is obviously not like a huge wing or something like that. And lists it like six three six four, I think. But, um, you know, again, not that there was anybody stopping Bradley Beal tonight, but uh, at a minimum, you know, I think you had a couple of guys that could, could make him work for it. And, Ultimately, in that uh, in that fourth in the uh, overtime in particular, uh, you know, 
Wizards just couldn't quite get him involved as much as they as they wanted, and that some of that fall denial, especially from blood. So I think I think it was part of it. I mean, the last the last possession um, after Chris had shot the three that uh, that I guess Middleton had hit the front free throws, right? He had a three, then they got a two, and then Middleton had two free throws. Is that how I think that's how it went, right? So he, yeah, um, he, he hit the two free throws to tie it up at 123. Then Beal missed a, a kind of a weird shot. It went sort of high off the backboard. And then that was the one where the next possession was where Middleton ultimately missed the three after the timeout. But that was the one where Bud calls the timeout, then Bledsoe knocks down, <laughs> knocks down the three. Yeah, and late in the game, you know, it was really interesting. The Bucks did a great job denying a good look at a three, uh, did not foul uh, on that last possession. And it was interesting. Shabazz Napier ends up, you know, basically doesn't get a look, dribbles in into the, into the inside the three-point arc, and is suddenly looking all around because he's saying, oh, oh shit, I, I wasn't supposed to dribble into the <laughs> past the three-point arc because now I have to figure out how we get a three-pointer out of this. Um, and still finds, I think it was Troy Brown, right, on the in the right yeah. corner, flashing open. And he got, you know, given the circumstances, you'd say a very good look at a three. But certainly you'd much rather have him taking that shot than either Napier or Beal and Ball. Uh, it didn't miss by much. I mean, that was a rim out at the buzzer. Could have sent it to double OT. But uh, ultimately, you know, Bucks, I guess, showing that, uh, hey, they do remember a little bit of how to play in these kind of close nip and tuck type games. Um, and, and again, the defensive effort tonight will, um, you know, probably be give Buck and Bud some some talking points um, tomorrow. I guess if the walkthrough or whatever, since they don't have much time. Um, last couple times now that the Wizards and Bucks play, it's been sort of that defense optional affair, which has kind of been the Wizards' mo all season. They haven't defended anybody, but they've put up tons of points. So again, not completely crazy that you know Brad Beal of all people would go nuts. I mean two games in a row, two days in a row that he drops 50 plus, which is insane. <laughs> and the Wizards have scored points all season. So, um, you know, uh, Bucks, you know, I guess you say, uh, I guess we'll take it. But certainly as far as, you know, um, impressive efforts go, this was definitely, definitely not one of those. I mean, I thought, uh, I thought Rui Hashimura did a very nice job just kind of defending Giannis pretty tightly on the perimeter. Giannis really didn't have any good looks at threes, didn't take any threes. Did continue to show some nice comfort from the mid-range, however. Um, but after kind of six quick points, um, he kind of got frustrated for most of the rest of the first half. Started to kind of get, you know, picked up some fouls. Picked up his third foul, I think, in the second quarter. Picked up his fourth foul in the third quarter. And then he just sort of got stuck in that mode where um, he was always kind of in that danger zone. And, you know, his, his sixth foul ultimately was, I mean, just totally avoidable. I mean, it was a boneheaded play, especially being guarded by Mo Wagner, who, I mean, had literally just completely flopped on a non-contact play that almost got Giannis a sixth foul right before that. Um, you know, he should have known better than to kind of try to release in a way that Wagner could obviously easily, uh, you know, exaggerate to make it look like a push-off. So, um, again, Giannis has to be smarter because, you know, if this is a game that matters and we've seen him foul out of a number of games, right, first game of the season goes – um, you know, against the, of the Rockets, you know, you think of that game, he fouls out the next game um, against uh, Miami, right? That game goes to OT that they lose and he fouls out. So if you had lost, that would have been a, some, some annoying um, flashbacks. But uh, fortunately, the Bucks again, show that they can, that they can get it done without Giannis, even if it was certainly much more difficult than, than you would have liked. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought the, 
Wizards kind of did a nice job of frustrating him, even if Giannis ultimately was pretty efficient, but kind of just making him work, um, annoying him. And the whistle was, I would say, the refereeing tonight was, again, like pretty – I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, again, I'm not going to act like the Wizards – or the refs came out with a conspiracy to help the Wizards win a basketball game or something like that. Um, but, you know, again, it's just it just was not, let's just say, predictable – what necessarily was was going to be called and let's just say this i was not always very confident that the right call was going to get made um which is not a not a great place to be as a a fan watching yep refer to the statement at the start of the podcast for any thoughts on the officiating from from my point of view but uh just a couple of numbers from tonight. So you, you mentioned Giannis, the, the jump shot again. He had a turnaround early in this one. He looked really good. So I did tweet out some of these numbers, but if anyone missed this. So now uh, it is still kind of a small sample based on, on the whole season. When you see the numbers, this has become more frequent for Giannis. But 19 for 31 now, just a cool 62% on what NBA.com uh, refers to as turnaround fadeaway sh- jump shots. So uh, <laughs> it's fair to say he, he seems pretty confident with that shot now. Uh, and he's knocking them down. And the other interesting one, and Robin Lopez, shout out to him for that monster block on Hachimura, by the way, uh, at the end of uh, regulation. But three for four from three tonight. So, yeah, the, the Bucks lose uh, maybe the level of rim protection that Brook Lopez brings to this team when he's out with the back. Uh, but they did bring in uh, the, the preferred outside shooting of, of Robin Lopez from three. And he's a... Hey, you, you got to give him credit. He's starting to look pretty comfortable from the from the corners. At times, there's some games where I'm like, "Wow, Robin Lopez is feeling himself with this uh, with this trigger on on his uh, outside jump shot." But hey, he's 34. Well, now he hit another corner, so this is updated after I did that. He's up to 36 and a half percent from the corners this season, and uh, he's now hit 26 threes in the season. So not a lot. Uh, obviously, his minutes are down, but he only made 11 for the rest of his NBA career before this season. Remember, this is the first time he's actually been allowed or told to shoot threes uh he looks pretty good he's starting to knock them down and he's had a couple of nice nights here where he's hit multiple threes so uh shout where, out to where did where did we have over the over under on him again remind me yeah i need to check where... i i think it was like i i think it was low 40s like i would have to go back and check but uh yeah. if he keeps if he keeps shooting like this he might he might get the over I and mean, he's he's drinking a lot of tea at the moment and the other random number here well the other stat i guess from the game was dante he again had one of those nights where uh the bucks kept on turning the ball over in the first half but dante kept a few possessions alive on the offensive glass we know he does that first double double of his career 12 points uh 10 rebounds for him but should we talk about the last possession of regulation a little bit we saw the the, the same old Tried and true Bucks play with uh, a few seconds left. Uh, they tried to get the ball to, to Middleton in the, in the near corner. They ran a double screen. I think Robin Lopez was one of the players screening and Pat Connaughton was the other. George Hill was the inbounder. And, and in the end, I, I think that, and this is what happens when you, when you don't have Giannis on the floor to take any attention at all. Everyone really knows what you're probably going to try and do. You're probably going to get Chris Middleton a look and try and get him a jump shot with the guys they had on the floor. I thought they did a pretty good job because all the attention was on Middleton. And then uh, Pat Connaughton, after setting the screen, dove uh, to the basket and had a wide open dunk. I mean, it would have been a hell of a play and it would have been a, a really cool way to end the game. 
George Hill, to me, it just looked like he, he was struggling to like get that pass off over the, the, the guy that was uh, defending the inbound. I, I can't really remember who that was, but he just fired the pass a little bit too hard and actually hit the rim. But it was a nice little variation on the play that we've seen. And to be fair, I don't think anyone would expect Pat Connaughton to be the guy that they're going to go to. So it, it was kind of interesting to see. I mean, Bud had on his uh, Let Pat Dunk uh, shirt <laughs> under his suit tonight, I guess. Uh, yeah, it was it was unfortunate because it was a, a really nice play design you know, to have that option. I'm curious if, I don't know if Bud's saying in postgame, I don't know if that was what they were definitely looking for or if that was, well, I mean, obviously you have options, but I'm curious how much of it was like they were definitively trying to go to that or if they thought, right. oh, we'll see if Middleton gets open. I mean, it doesn't seem like Chris Middleton ever really, really gets open on that play. No. Um, but uh, certainly as just, you know, a counter, right? If nothing else, um, hey, put that on film and make the other team think that something other than the Chris Middleton pass might happen. Uh, you know, you wish you could have used that Pat Connaughton lob for an actual dunk and, and won the game on it. But, um, you know, obviously no harm, no foul. You come away with the win anyway. Um, but, yeah, it was nice to see a counter using kind of the same general action, right, which um, it's, it's not – and, again, not that the Bucks have won the exact same play to get Middleton – that exact same shot every time they have kind of different variants that they've used to do that. But um, obviously uh, good to, could have a little bit of a change up. And um, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think I, I uh, speaking of Dante, I, I didn't really realize that he, I mean, he was what four out of five um, for those 12 points and the 10 rebounds. I, I didn't realize that he'd scored that efficiently. He didn't really, I mean, normally you kind of notice him just given the way he plays, like when he's either like flailing missed shots at the rim Yeah. Or, you know, when he's just splashing threes. I, for some reason, I didn't really notice him as much. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it just seems like, obviously, as the season goes on, I mean, you keep in mind, even though he's a second-year guy, he obviously was a three-year player in college. I mean, he's never played this many games before in his life, right? Last year cut short. So seeing him stay healthy this season and continue to grow and get better as the season goes on and become more consistent, I think is obviously a, a major plus that you – you feel really good about for him um, just because, I mean, let's be honest um, as you know, this team is deep, but, but he's a really important part of that. You know, the energy he brings defensively and just, I think just offensively, the aggression, the lack of fear, um, you know, the IQ that he plays with offensively. So um, for him to continue to kind of play at that, that high level has been uh, obviously a, a really nice and positive thing to see. And um, you know, again, on a night like tonight where you literally needed every point, um, it's particularly nice, but I'm also just trying to look it up. Um, you know, we mentioned, um, Bledsoe's, um, for that, that big three he hit, uh, in overtime tonight. Um, but I'm just trying to look it up. He's at, let's see, he's at 35.4%. I was curious if he'd bumped up to 36%. Um, he also hit a couple of big free throws. Um, I think it was late in regulation or was it late in regulation? I think it was in regulation, not overtime. Yeah. Um, yeah. After the, I think that was right after the wizards had gone ahead where, you know, that was probably the peak of when you were feeling like, cause I was feeling it too. Like I think it was right when Beal had slashed the basket. and was just like, Oh my God, like, are they really going to lose this game? Like they just cannot stop anybody. Um, and Bledsoe gets fouled and um, knocks down a pair of free throws. I mean, he's at over 83% now, I think from, from the line as well. So, we talked about uh, the, the Corver effect with Giannis and those mid-range jumpers. Saw another couple of those tonight. But certainly with Bledsoe, um, you know, again, 
it, it won't be validated until he does it in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, just great to see him bounce back from obviously a, a tough exit last year and play at a high level. Obviously tonight, stepping up with Giannis, um, you know, in, in some foul issues, but you know, his shooting has generally been such a, you know, it's, it's been a pretty consistent thing this season, both from the line and from three. Um, you know, again, you just hope that's something that carries over to the playoffs. No question. So the Bucks now 49 and eight, <laughs> potentially just going to pick up win number 50 here uh before before the end of the month or a week week before the end of february but the raptors is going to be tough and this is going to be a fun game so i i did mention this on on twitter but i caught up with locked on raptors host sean woodley this afternoon before the wizards game so there's going to be two podcasts uh, that i'm going to drop tonight so you know make sure if you listen to this one you get over and listen to that one it's it's more general as well so it's not going to be outdated depending on whatever happens in this game but it was good to just catch up on the Raptors they're a team that's been super impressive and I I don't know if you have any takes you want to fire out before we wrap this up on this game but uh, we talk about this a lot but this is going to be a real test for the Bucs on the road on a back-to-back against uh, the team that that really is on a tear. I mean, they, they have not done much losing over the last month. And you could say that the run they've been on is very normal for the Milwaukee Bucks, but it's, it's, uh, it's been impressive. And with all the injuries they've had to deal with, uh, this team just continues to show up and find contributors. And we know that Nick Nurse coaches this team really, really well. Uh, no Marcus Sola, no Norman Powell tomorrow night, but I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, they're coming off on... Um fresh off just an absolute destruction of, of the Pacers who um, the wheels uh, seem to be, well, I don't want to say they're coming off, but um, ironically, they're only uh, the only thing that seemingly have gone well for the Pacers lately was that, that win over the Giannis Bucks right before the all-star break. Um, because Jeremy Lamb also suffered a really bad injury in that game. He's out for the year, torn ACL um, among other injuries to that knee. Um, and man, Malcolm Brogdon is shooting worse from three than Giannis right now. Did you did you expect did you expect to say that, especially with Giannis really not shooting the ball from three? I mean, Brogdon's under thirty one percent. He's really just tailed off really hard since the start of the season, and Oladipo uh, didn't play in that game, um, but he's been. I mean, he's clearly not. You know, again, which shouldn't be shocking coming off a major leg injury, but he's not anywhere close to it. So, Pacers struggling, um, but Raptors, yeah, I mean. We've seen the, you know, Pacers and, and Sixers are kind of have been going in one direction uh, and Toronto obviously going in the polar opposite direction. Remarkably, not really making up almost any ground on the Bucks. I think what, during this like massive stretch, they've picked up one game over 20, even though they've lost like once basically because right. uh, the Bucks have been that good. Um, and I forgot who tweeted it. I think somebody tweeted out that the Bucks haven't had any – 10 game period this year where they've been worse than eight and two or something like that. Um, It makes sense. (laughs) Which is just crazy. And also why I was, I mean, watching this game, I was like, man, we're, we're, you know, I know we're spoiled as Bucks fans, but like, I don't want to lose today. Like, I mean, if you lose tomorrow, you got a two game losing streak. You're at double digit losses for the season. I mean, come on, man. That's, you know, and, and, and again, that you'd still have a really comfortable cushion on the Raptors. I think what they have 15 losses, I believe. Um, but, but again, I mean, just not that anyone's thinking. I don't think the Raptors are thinking that they're necessarily going to catch the Bucks or anything like that. But you just never know, right? What if Giannis gets a really bad ankle sprain, misses three weeks, right? You know, what if 
Chris, you know, pulls his hamstring is out through, you know, you know, you never know, right? Like just the more you can, again, just bank these wins. Now, I think what bucks 36 and one against sub 500 teams now, something on that order. Um, you just take care of business and you hopefully also obviously can continue to compete at a high level and win games against good teams, which obviously the Raptors very much are. Um, I think certainly it helps you just, again, build up that buffer so you can be very uh, flexible in how you approach the last weeks of the season. And then I think also just, I mean, look, it's, I mean, psychologically, it's obviously a different Raptors team. You mentioned, you know, injury-wise, missing Gasol and Powell. They're not going to be at full strength. Um, I'm going to be curious to see just, like, what kind of lineups they use. Obviously, um, they had a lot of success with Gasol kind of playing behind um, both Kawhi and, and Siakam forming that wall against Giannis last year, obviously. Um, no Gasol makes them have to play a little bit different. They don't have the same size. But, um, you know, you can bet Nick Nurse might try some weird things. I'm guessing we'll see some zone at some point. And I think it's a, you know, it's a regular season game, but I think it's a good test for, for Bud as well. Like how much does he have these guys regular – or sorry, um, ready for some of the weirdness that, that might get thrown their way um, and some curveballs, uh, which I think, you know, again – I think last year, Eric and I talked a little bit, you know, we, we kind of following yeah, like, does the Bucks, the style they play of the super, you know, conservative zone dropping all that, like our teams is, are some teams like not even really prepared for it so much. So like they don't really take advantage of it as much. Um, you know, the Raptors are kind of the opposite in some ways where they do a lot of different things, a lot of weird things. So they probably surprise teams and, you know, it helps them more in a regular season perspective just because they're doing different stuff that teams aren't used to. I mean, the Pacers blew another huge lead in Toronto because they couldn't handle a press late, late in the game, which again, NBA teams should be able to break the press, but we're also not really used to seeing them with any regularity. Um, so yeah, I think expect the unexpected with Nick Nurse probably. Um, but you know, again, I'm very curious to see how much he's willing to break out in a regular season game. He hasn't been bashful about trying stuff and he hasn't been bashful about playing his main guys huge minutes as well. So um, we'll see kind of exactly what, what they have up their sleeve tomorrow. And, you know, for me, I think it, I mean, the main thing I'm looking for is certainly that, that matchup between obviously Giannis and Pascal Siakam. Um, Giannis against his uh, first overall pick in the all-star draft had a pretty damn good result on Saturday. You can hope that he can replicate that against his second pick in Siakam. And certainly, uh, you know, you think back to the first game of the season between these two teams way back in, you know, October, um, you know, Giannis pretty much had his way dominating Siakam, especially in the first half of that game. Siakam really couldn't get on track. And Siakam's numbers actually, is, most of his advanced numbers are actually worse from last year. His scoring is up, but much less efficient as a scorer. Um, you know, it's hard being a number one scoring option as he is this year. He's obviously a very good player, but certainly Giannis, the fact that he's, he's bigger, longer, um, and stronger. You know, he's he's a tough matchup for Siakam. And, and obviously, Siakam didn't have to guard him one-on-one kind of at the most important moments last year. And so now, obviously, I'm, I'm guessing he will. Um, but it's obviously a challenge for him. He's got the tools to, I think, be really competitive. But, um, you know, certainly you hope it brings out the best in Dallas as well. All right. So first of all, you missed a pretty good opportunity there when you were talking about Malcolm Brogdon's shooting numbers. This this podcast, uh, this is episode number 751 of Lost on Bucks, and this is the Robin Lopez three-point shooting podcast. And Malcolm Brogdon actually is, has a worse three-point percentage than Robin Lopez. So that's that's the stat we're rolling with. Robin Lopez after tonight is up to 313 
Malcolm Brogdon is at 30.8. So Robin Lopez, definitively a better three-point shooter than Malcolm Brogdon. So that's what we're rolling with. <laughs> Uh, but definitely now, sustainable definitely sustainable definitely, yes. and it's all the same situation that it's exactly oh, yeah. Yeah. mirrored so uh it, it's it's per- it makes perfect sense but yeah this is gonna be fun another early start obviously on eastern time so 6 p.m central against the raptors the bucks are looking for win number 50 like i said listen to this podcast then go to the other one with myself and sean woodley from locked on raptors that was a fun chat but outside of that we will be back again after this game tomorrow night uh, to wrap up what is a, a rare, what feels like a rare big game for the Bucks. We enjoyed the other night against the Sixers on Saturday. The Bucks got the job done there. So we'll see if they can do the same against the Raptors. So for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll catch you guys there.